Hi. Hi. Aloha. Aloha. Uh, welcome to the Schmodcast. It's a podcast. Call it Schmodcast. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're just two platonic life partners just having the best time ever. <sighs> the best best time ever i was actually thinking about that today like i have some you know work's kind of getting me down but i think part of the reason i'm so tired is i'm just like overwhelmed by how great everything is right now does that ever happen to you isn't it exhausting oh tell me if you've ever heard this one when things are too great you're too tired to enjoy all of it it's exhausting and that's not to say there aren't like major challenges in both of our lives right now especially yours i would say but the name of this episode is I'm not crying you're crying um just because <laughs> basically that's something Rebecca and we, we say to each other a lot yeah. um but it's because things are just really good in general there's a lot of big important wonderful life events happening mm-hmm. and I'm not crying you're crying <laughs> oh, I'm definitely crying so that like when you yeah. read this um episode title um fans and it says it's because it's in the eye. Like that's Rachel's voice because I'm definitely crying. So yeah. she's not crying. I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. Our yesterday we had an I'm not crying, you're crying moment because we were touring the yard of our new house. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous owners gave us just like a this beautiful and thorough tour of the yard so that we could learn all the plants. And we saw that one of the banana trees is producing bananas and Rebecca just tears streaming. There's bananas. I didn't. I didn't know there were bananas. I know. And so I just. <laughs> I was. I was overcome, y'all. And I then know. when you come visit, I'll show you where the bananas are in our yeah. beautiful yard, and you can just go get one Bounty. whenever you want. Oh, it was so beautiful. Do you remember? Yeah. This is one of my embarrassing moments. Um, so you know how. <laughs> I think everyone does this. Some of us, maybe more than others, there will be yeah. something you did years ago that for whatever reason, your brain has latched onto to make you feel really embarrassed about for the rest of your life. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you were here for this one. Um, my, our favorite uncles were visiting us when we lived in DC and I don't know how it came up, but I said something about how I think the reason I don't have a very good memory is because my life is just too rich. <laughs> I'm just, I was like, I just get to do so many wonderful things that there's no way for me to remember all of it. And I meant it as just like a personal self-reflection to make myself feel better about like not having a good memory. But I like for the rest of forever, I, I look mm-hmm. back at that and wonder if it sounded like I thought other people's lives, especially the people I was speaking to, did it sound like I thought their lives weren't as rich as mine? <laughs> I mean, Which is insane I am, considering who we were speaking to. I know. As well. I was like, it, that's that's completely ridiculous. And since they're avid fans, I'm sure we're going to get a nice little correct, just like right here in the first couple I, minutes. I can feel that, it coming from their hearts right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So first, they did not take it that way because their lives are also rich. And um, yeah, that's such a funny one because you. Mm-hmm. I wonder if part of the reason that you feel bad is because. We uh, ladies are not supposed to brag about anything, and that you felt well, kind of braggadocious. I think I'm I'm okay, I'm a little bit okay with braggadocing, but mm-hmm. I um I felt like it might have sounded condescending to the other people, oh, like that I was no. comparing myself to them. So, oh, I mean, as another person that was in the room, I didn't take it. That you did. Okay, cool. No, well, that's just why I'm not crying. You're crying because our lives are so rich. That's just that's what's going on right now. Yeah. All it taught us was like that actually you put the seed that day. That was the day that you planted the seed intention for us to start this podcast so that we could record what we have going on because that's the reason we don't remember is we're bad journalists. Journalers. Journalers. Journalistas. Yeah. Journalistas. That's the word. That's it. Well, um, I'm the Cruise Director again, and uh, for our (laughs) intro, my question for you is, what, oh, we're about to have some visitors, and we're about to spend like nine days doing fun, fun stuff, Mm -hmm. and my question is, what are you most excited about for our upcoming visitors and or for moving to the new house? So, um, because 
at least one of those two visitors is a listener. I can't tell you what I'm most excited about, but... Because it's a surprise. Because it's a surprise. But I can tell you what I'm second most excited about with their visit, which is that um, because their dear loved ones, having them come see where we live and getting to show them our new house makes me really, really, really excited. I know the timing is – it's just totally random, but I'm just – I'm really excited that the timing is set up for that. It's like a twofer for that question too because you're excited for the visitors to see the new house. Yeah, and those bananas. Like, and the bananas. They'll gosh. probably cry. <laughs> I, well, I don't know because they're going to know it's coming. So Yeah. But, uh, that's yeah, that's my answer. What about you? What are you most excited about? <sighs> well, for our visitors, I think I'm just most excited for the time with my sister. Um, so one of, our, one of our visitors is my sister Elizabeth, who is coming for a big birthday. Mm. And I'm just really, um, I'm delighted that she's getting to take some time out of her busy schedule as like a full-time healthcare worker and a uh, parent of two small children uh, yeah. to come, come be with us without the children as well. Love the kids, but I'm very excited to have time yeah. with my sister where she's not also having to wear all of those hats the whole time. Yeah, she just gets to wear a birthday girl hat, yeah. vacation hat, and sister, sister hat. hat, human hat, mm-hmm. um, party whale hat, watcher hat. Yeah, yeah, um, Mexican food eating hat, uh, poke hat, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, beach snor- hat, snorkel hat. Yeah, we've got a lot of hats. So many hats. <laughs> For moving to the new house, the new thing that I am most excited about is actually the yard. I think because of that Mm. amazing yard tour we had yesterday, I realized partway through, and I I mentioned this to you when we got home, Rebecca, I realized partway through as I was like touching the various plants and like walking around and uh, just like breathing in all the beautiful oxygen they were making for us just to sound like Mm -hmm. a total hippie. Yep. Partway through, I was like, am I high? (laughs) I was like, did I do drugs before I came over here? I don't remember doing any drugs. And I'm not really the kind of person who does enough drugs to accidentally be high. Right. But it was just so serene. It just felt Mm. so good. I truly had this moment where I was just like, oh, like, this is how nature is healing and calming and peaceful. And Mm -hmm. we haven't quite had that at our current house just because – of the pigs and the chickens and the fire ants and stuff. And (laughs) even though we're just moving next door where we're going to have those same issues, the landscaping and the way that the like lava formations around various parts of the yard, I just found it extremely relaxing. Yeah. And, and like we, we had heard, I mean, they had mentioned that our friends who sold us the house had mentioned that the original owner and the person who made that yard the way that it is was a botanist and a biologist. Mm-hmm. And then they'd also like shared little tidbits. So so for everybody who's like, what is the big difference? Like it it really like this was our first time actually walking through it slowly and we we were yeah. out there for probably an hour. Well and with the the current the previous owners who obviously love it. Yeah. And and said things like in a non woo woo way, said things like, I mean You'll get to know it and like the land will speak to you. The plants will mm-hmm. let you know what they need. And I was like, this is what I want. I've never had that before. I want that. Yeah. But it just felt, yeah, I just, I think for me, it just felt like the original owners or whoever, the people before us intentionally made this space really lovely. And yes. then the people who are handing it to us now maintained it. They added their yeah. own little, their touches to the fact that they yeah. said, we added this one. Like it feels like we're inheriting like a legacy, more, like yes, in addition yes. to like, I do believe Fairies and magic live there on top of all of the intentionality by the people. Like I, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. I there's, and there's, there's all these different varying landscapes. And because of what you mentioned with the lava tube and like, there's, there's like a gully and there's like a a high point. So each little area of the yard feels like a totally different world. Yeah. Like there's, which I didn't know bamboo corner. (laughs) And then there's like, like coniferous tree, wooded forest and then there's like cleared out lava rocks area and it's all amazing yeah I also just love um, one of the things I love most about you and me is that we made the biggest like financial investment of our lives 
And we just like weren't really that thorough about what's going on with the yard. We're like, the yard's nice. We like it. Sold. I think it's good. Yeah. I love we'll be it fine. because now we have yeah. all these great things to discover. I know. I'm really I I feel like they this was just a perfect fit. They're setting us up for success as like yep. homeowners and people with a beautiful yard, which it would have taken us a long time to get to the point of having a yard we were proud enough of to like maintain. And instead we're starting off with one that we're really excited about. Yeah. And also just PSA or request, I guess, as people who are like inheriting this lovely yard, part of what makes it lovely is it has really mature trees and plants. Mm -hmm. So if you have access to a yard where you can control it, just plant a tree there. Plant some trees. You know, maybe maybe you personally won't get to enjoy it, but somebody's really gonna love the shit somebody's out of that tree. Gonna love those trees. Yeah, do it. Just do it. Just do it. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's an amazing intro. Um, <laughs> a little more thorough than I was planning. We just always have so much to talk about. Our lives are so rich. Rich. Ugh. Well, let's do some connects and corrects. Um, starting with an ongoing discussion of Bob Dylan. <laughs> so, um. Aunt Nance has some some more input about Bob Dylan that we extremely very much appreciate. But first, I want to note another listener also wrote in um, and said that she saw Bob Dylan live when she was living in Korea in 2010, and it was well past his prime at the point, and he was kind of rough, to be honest. Mm. She added, we just drank our way through it. Mm, uh huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Bob Dylan can be hard on the liver if you go to the live performances, people. But I appreciated that comment because it kind of validated that. I mean, even when I went to that Bob Dylan concert all those years ago, I like felt a little bit like a shitty person for not enjoying it. And I'm just yeah. through this conversation learning that the live stuff is not for all of us. And it wasn't for me. And it wasn't for this other listener. But Nance is here to explain. Oh, thank so, goodness. Come on, Nance. Okay. And Nancy says, quote, in his early years, he was much more interactive with others on stage and in the audience, though many still didn't appreciate his voice all that much. Mm -hmm. His talent in writing music and lyrics is what makes him so remarkable, rather than his ability to entertain and perform. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, he was awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. Though he didn't didn't show up in person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Fascinating. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. No, that's okay. So she explains, though he didn't show up in person to receive the honor, he was required to submit a speech afterwards during which he quoted Homer, sing in me, O muse, and through me, tell the story. Aunt Nancy adds, maybe this helps us understand Dylan a bit more. I think it does, Nance. Yeah, it definitely helps me appreciate him more. Yeah. I wonder also if maybe I would like to read his lyrics more than mm-hmm. I enjoy hearing. His music. <gasps> you know what we should do? We should see who's done Bob Dylan covers, and is it our like? Is it some of our most oh. beloved voices? We're gonna find out about that. Okay. Yeah. Homework <laughs> for next time. Maybe we'll play a little snippet. Yeah. Well, we also got a connect and correct update on um, Mariah Carey. Um. A couple different people have said she actually did used to have really good live performances Um, or not a great performance, but a great show is what one of our fans has said. She said the vibe and the audience was great. No, she isn't going to dance and do crazy stuff, but I was fully entertained. That's nice to hear. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I apologize, Mariah Carey, if you're listening. I'm sorry I razzed you for laying on a chaise during your concert. I understand it's like a group effort. It's all a big show. It's not just about you dancing for my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, please, listen, if if Mariah doesn't listen to this, can one of y'all just get it to her? Because she yeah. really does need to hear that. Whoever here knows Mariah the best, would you pass this on to her? Thank you so much. Thank you. I have a little Anchor Update. That's the name of the, like, platform that helps us do this podcast magic. And um, they give us little stats. This is how we know, like, what countries are listening and, like, how many people click play and, like, listen for at least one minute before stopping. Uh, Thank you very much for that level of commitment. (laughs) 
so we we saw a new country at the list a couple weeks back. It was Malawi, mm-hmm. and um, and so still less than one percent, which probably means like one person accidental click. But we still thank you so much for giving us your time and your ears. The one that's showing up and staying strong is Nepal. They're at two percent. Two percent. That's real. That's a repeat. If you're listening in Nepal, hello. Thank you Hi. so much. Yeah. <laughs> Keep doing. Tell tell us, email us. Tell us yeah. what you like or don't like. No matter where you're listening, hello. But uh we're especially intrigued by some of the foreign locations that are popping up on our actually quite a few listeners in Germany as well. I yeah, hope that's, it's that's ten percent. No. I hope it's the original Schmodcast people from the German version of Schmodcast, the podcast. Oh, I hope so too. You know, we should listen to theirs. Give them. We should. Isn't it in German? That's how. That's how we'll say hi back. So we'll oh, just listen to theirs. We'll just like learn German, and then listen yeah. to their podcast. It's not hard. Yeah, German seems easy. It's basically English. Famously, Have you heard of kindergarten? Famously simple language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, a bunch of our listeners have chimed in that they've been listening while they go for walks or chopping veggies or flying places. Mm. So we just want to say we see you. We love those suggestions as great ways to pass the time. Listen to Schmodcast. And if you're looking to set some intentions for the new year or for a new moon or just for yourself in general, our friend Jenny has some tips for you. She has been using a tool called Year Compass. And it prompts you to reflect on your past year and map out what you want from the next year. And at the time that she mentioned this to us, she hadn't actually mapped out 2023 yet, but said that reflecting and journaling on 2022 was a really powerful exercise. Um, Jenny also very helpfully noted that there, um, I'll quote her, there were some really trippy background noises on the last episode <laughs> that I only noticed being there during the aliens talk portion. Maybe your maybe your furthest fan base is not actually on this planet after all. Um, Jenny, I think it was me um, noisily drinking something or fidgeting with something, but I like that it sounded like maybe it was aliens. Who's to say? Maybe Who's the aliens say? made you do it. Could be. Yeah. Well, that's it for Connects and Cricks. Shall we do some hot tops, Rebecca? Yeah, let's get into it. Oh, you go first. So mine was actually inspired by a corrective sometimes back where uh, I said we're going on like an alleged trip or what did I say? Yeah. Probably going on a trip, yeah. <laughs> uh, which which got me Googling around to be like, why do why do people like hedge or um, mm. use qualifying language is mm-hmm. the other way to describe it. And so, I mean, we all do it and we all know it's good and we know it can be bad, but like I wanted to like do a little more of a deep dive onto it. Yeah. Um, since we're such fans of, of like language, mm-hmm. we've done quite a few hot tops about up talk and whether or not we like is this. Up talk bad is hedging. And your okay. vocal fry. Yeah. Oh, vocal yeah. fry. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're gonna we're gonna talk about qualifying language, mm-hmm. also known as hedging. Yes. And so just examples of like what qualifying language is. It's where you add some sort of a usually adjective to soften whatever mm-hmm. you're gonna say. So instead of saying this is true, you'll say eh, probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, so words like appear, basically, um, ma- majority, minority, probably, rarely, rather, mm-hmm. seldom, sometimes, somewhat. Like it's just a way for you to. Um, soften it a little bit. Does it also count and, when we start a sentence with I think? Would that be kind of some hedging? Yeah, yeah. Because because what you're doing is you're adding a little bit of doubt to it. Mm. So if you say I think um, or I feel or in my sure. opinion, pretty sure. And that's like a really American one because we still have this need to be like, uh, we have to have conviction and we want to control our environment. So I'm pretty sure it's hilarious because it's like, <laughs> I'm sure is the sentence. And then you add a pretty, like, yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. I'm mostly confident. What? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. So that's where I start. That's what really fascinates me about this qualifying language because you can get a couple qualifiers in there and they can cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who like 
works in a lot of emails there that I think that's the number one culprit of people putting a lot of words and not really necessarily saying anything and I just did it because I put necessarily ah! in it isn't this fun it's good okay so the the intention behind qualifying language is it's supposed to make tough arguments easier to swallow mm-hmm. and it's also supposed to indicate like specificity that we may not actually know mm-hmm. totally for sure what's happening but I think it also is a way to avoid direct conversations. And for people who are a little more passive, it can be, uh, I think it can be confusing and then people don't really know what you're talking about. So anyway, I went and found one that was like, is qualifying language bad? Okay. And so <laughs> not really, but you have to know how you're using it. And I think that's the part that I forget is to be intentional about it. These become these habits or things that I say mm-hmm. all the time. So um, when we qualify our answers, what we're doing is managing expectations and also acknowledging that we could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And so instead of – so like I think I just qualify language a little bit out of a habit when when maybe I actually just really do mean what I said. Like, for example, we don't have a potential trip to South Africa. We're going to South Africa. Yeah. And then my only qualifier would be like barring acts of God because yeah. we can't control those things. Inshallah. Yeah. <laughs> Inshallah, exactly. And so um, so a lot of like researchers and scientists and people who study language have said that the the most important thing is to not just get lazy about it mm-hmm. and and this to to just really mean what you say and to borrow a quote from my own father, words mean things. And I thought that was <laughs> how how pithy and poignant. Thanks, Bruce. So um so in some cases, like you might need to be slightly deferential or acknowledge that you're not speaking with like absolute expertise like you didn't witness the event you were told about the event but that that doesn't that isn't the case if if you know if you know what you mean just say it but there's a fear I think or a conditioning maybe not even fear but a conditioning of being too direct that it comes off as abrasive or being somehow too assertive yeah we're so non-confrontational that we don't even want to say no, that's incorrect. This is correct. I know this to be true. And said, so we're like, well, maybe mm-hmm. is it possible that this could be correct? Even when we mm-hmm. know. Is it also maybe a little bit, maybe, is it also maybe a little bit? Is it also <gasps> maybe potentially a little bit like what? Well, <laughs> I don't want to, I, I feel very confident that it is also because we don't want to be um, held accountable for it later if we're wrong. Like if there's too yes. high of a punishment for being wrong about things, whether that be like yep. reputational or what, we don't want to be on the record being like, no, it's definitely like this. So instead we're like, well, I said maybe, like potentially. I know. But isn't that it? But then what what happens if we have too much? If everybody's qualifying everything all the time, then it's really ambiguous, and nobody yeah. knows like who's picking up eggs at the grocery yeah. store. Yeah. Or <laughs> like yeah. Uh, and then and I think about it in work too. I had a I, this was because I knew this was our hot top. I've been noticing it a lot in work mm. emails. And there was one where the the person person number one, the hero, also known as me. <laughs> sent an email about a a bug because I work in tech. There was a problem. And I was like, here, here is a problem I have noticed. And I sent it to the person that could help me with the problem because their email address is support at the company I work at dot com. Okay. So this is so I was like, hello, dear you. This is a problem I've noticed. And then I I wrote out what happened and then the behaviors or like the clicky things that I did to reproduce the issue. And then that person wrote back and said I wouldn't worry too much about this. Uh, it doesn't happen all that much. Hmm. And the other, this other group, the ones that are in charge of building out, like fixing bugs, they're really busy. So probably this would take them a long time to get to. Hmm. That's, that was the email that they sent back to me. What were, and I what was do you like, think they were actually trying to say? Not my monkey, not my circus. They were trying yeah. to say, I don't want to help you. I don't want to look or into even, this. Or even just like, this isn't a priority right now. We're aware of this issue. Probably. We're aware of this issue. It's not our priority right now. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I was like, but I don't even know what to do with it because it, yeah, I assume, because I had to assume, and this is the danger of overly qualified language, is I now sat 
in my by myself without talking to them, thinking about what did they mean by that? Yeah, do I need to contact the people they're talking about and ask them if they're too busy to yeah. do this or not? Right. And and I'm not saying they should have just said thanks, thank you so much, hero of the email, and I will look in this and then just like ignore me. But it was just such an odd so thing, especially yeah. considering like the like how direct my original email was. Yeah. It was it was like bullet bullet pointed, here's a problem. I'm reporting an issue. Please let me know when this is resolved. Um and then they were like blur 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 and I was like, I don't what are you blurbing around? That's yeah. not your job. You can't blurb. So do you think because I think you and I are pretty direct communicators, particularly at work. Do you think mm-hmm. that's well appreciated? Or do you think that like the fact that hedging is so common um, is a sign that people would actually prefer if we hedged with them. Is it more pleasant I, when we hedge? I, I, I don't know how to answer your question because I'm, I'm over here looking at it with your eyeballs, yeah. being like, I think it's great. Yeah. I think clear is kind, yeah. Dr. Brene Brown. Um, I do think, and there's also to me, I and I want uh, let's all start this. Let's make this a movement that. You can still use direct language that is extremely clear and is also kind yeah, and loving. Just like, add a smiley I might open face. the email. Exactly. Add an emoji. Ugh. Open the email like dear loved ones or hey hey work friend. Yes, with a Z. Oh, de- add a Z and everyone yeah. wins. Uh, yeah, I, I think if I just wrote an email and said okay, period, and didn't put like a little like emoji on yeah. there, it might come off like they don't know what I mean by okay, but I don't know. I yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that's the reason people overly qualify. I I have a feeling that it is more to do with I do not know how to do what you want me to do. Yes. you've come okay. and you've asked me for something, and I don't know how to give that so to you. So I'm hedging. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Um, do you think that mm. I could use even more direct language in my work emails? If I change my signature line from best to C sunglass emoji, sunglass emoji L. Just cool with sunglass emojis for the O's for anyone who can't picture that. Just cool, comma, Rachel. Rachel. Hmm. What about. Or cool if, Z's? If you, what, what if you had, just picture it, everybody. It says warmest regards, but it's struck through. Yeah. And then it says coolest regards oh. with the cool emojis. Right? I don't think we even need to strike through warmest. I think it can just be coolest regards and people will get that that's a play on warmest regards. Yeah, because yeah. warmest regards is pretty famous, right? We all know that Everyone one. knows about warmest regards. Or coolly instead of warmly might also work, although that sounds mean. Not with the yeah, sunglass then, emojis, though. The sunglass emojis clear the whole thing up. The intention is clear. Now we're in a really good space. So yeah. here's how we're going to fight qualifying language bad things. is just use emojis. All emojis. Emojis are notoriously straightforward. Everyone knows <laughs> what each of them means, and we interpret them the same way. More precise yeah. than language. What, what I like about, and this is just another argument that we don't qualify language and are exceptionally clear, is that even when knowing that emojis are confusing, we put it inside of a word so oh, we know yeah. exactly what we now mean. Now you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A picture is worth a thousand words. In this case, an emoji is worth a thousand words because it could mean a thousand different things unless you right. use it as a letter inside of a word. Unless you put it in a word. And then it just clearly tells you what that word means. Amazing. And that is everything I think anybody ever wanted to know or not know about qualifying language. I love it. (laughs) Unqualified. Just love it. Cool. And now you all know as you're listening that when I say cool, it has two sunglass emojis for um, for the O's. That's always what it is. When I say yeah, that and one. that means you have to spell it all caps. Yes, all caps. It looks weird. Otherwise, the the final L looks like it could be a capital I, depending on what font you're using. It's not cute. It's not as cute yeah. as yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, we're really getting deep mm. into human psychology today because my hot top is about astrology. 
We have mentioned astrology on here quite a few times. Rebecca mm-hmm. and I both just did our annual forecasts with our very dear friend and most amazing astrologer, Tracy Rogers. And I wanted to know why can us, whether and why astrology can be helpful, even if you don't fully believe it. Oh, yeah. yes, please. Okay. So before I met Tracy, I thought astrology was like, what the hell is that? Who cares? And then the Cosmo magazine. Yes. Fodder. Yeah. I was like, this is crap. And then I met Tracy and she <laughs> just very, very to- was very tolerant about, yeah, you can believe what you want to believe. Here's why I think it's useful. And um, I slowly came around to see it as like a tool to understand our own psyche as well. So regardless of whether you actually think the moon and the stars have some kind of pull on your life, um, I wanted to know whether using astrology as like one of the many tools in our tool belt just to to like understand ourselves and the world around us, whether that is, uh, whether there's any data behind that being a good tool. There are so many articles about this. Oh. Yeah. The first one. Um, that I found really useful is from a website called Very Well Mind. And it's an article from July 2022 that claims to have combed studies and spoken with an astrologist who's also a psychologist. And they start by explaining what even is astrology. So 101, astrology Mm -hmm. is the study of how the positions of the stars and planets are believed to affect human lives. Babylonian astrology is believed to be the first organized system of astrology beginning more than 2,000 years ago. Then the Greeks solidified the signs that we know today around 280 BCE. And there are also thought to be Chinese, Indian, and Egyptian influences in the astrology that we're using today. It's generally considered a pseudoscience, not a science, uh, because Mm -hmm. there are no scientific and peer-reviewed studies that validate the premises and promises of astrology. But with that said, this article posits, and I agree, astrology can be a fun and harmless tool to engage with, to learn more about yourself with the understanding that this is just one of many tools. Yeah. Okay. So very well mind posits that there are basically four things that astrology does for us psychologically that make it a useful tool in our tool belt. The first one is that astrology can help you get through tough times. Um, It's a coping mechanism, basically. Research has Mm -hmm. found a correlation between those experiencing acute crises like divorce or job loss and a belief in astrology, which is also interesting because um, the COVID-19 pandemic saw a huge uptick in in people's interest in astrology. Is there any, like, do they also correlate, like, upticks in actual, like, um, faith-based tools like, I'm not like religion sure. I, like do those spike up during those periods as well i don't know that would be really interesting mm-hmm. too because those are typically like uh organized religion tends to involve like groups and gatherings whereas astrology was a spiritual practice people could do on their own at home mm-hmm. so maybe it was even for some people kind of like a replacement or a supplement if they're like a spiritual person who can no longer gather at their spiritual yeah. place but okay, so they, they, the, the idea behind astrology as a coping mechanism in acute crisis is that it's a, an immediate tool that you can use to comfort yourself. And they say that's mm-hmm. true, not just on an individual level, but on a macro level, people tend to be more interested in astrology during tumultuous times. More articles about astrology were published in the U.S. during the Great Depression in the 1930s, as well as in Germany between the two world wars. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Yeah. Okay, so that's reason number one. It's a coping mechanism. Number two, it gives you a sense of control. It might appeal Mm -hmm. to people who perceive an external locus of control. Someone who believes in an external control will credit outside forces for both good and bad. And it's kind of nice to have something to blame when things aren't going well. So it kind of makes you feel more in control of things and less responsible Mm -hmm. for bad things. Um, Or I guess also not just less responsible, but when bad things happen, it can be really devastating to think that there is no order or no sense of things, right? Right. Number three. Or that you you somehow caused it would be the other one. Or that no one is in control of it too, right? Like instead you can be like, oh, it's because of this in the stars and that's going to pass next week when this happens in the stars, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. um, Justification number three, astrology can act as a way to understand our identity. 
It's one way that we seek validation for our self-concept and how we think about ourselves. Um, one of the people in this article said it helps. It, it's a tool for people to, quote, develop their unique gifts and use it for confirmation and encouragement. Which is cute. Yeah. Okay. The last thing is that um, reason number four is that ambiguity is really difficult to tolerate. So astrology might appeal to people who have an especially pronounced intolerance for ambiguity. It's kind of similar to the coping mechanism reason. Uh, but basically yeah. they're like, humans have a profound desire to understand the world. If you can understand what's going on around you, you can make better decisions for yourself and your family. That is a survival tactic. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Thoughts so far, because I have other articles to quote. I got really into this one. Yeah, I well, I just I was also thinking that whether or not you're experiencing the pull of the star or whatever, when they give you these dates that things might be hard to do for the next week if you're in the sign or whatever, it's also a little bit of a hope machine because yes. you get this like light at yes. the end of the tunnel thing. It helps you know whatever you might be like suffering or enduring, it's temporary. And like how what a nice reminder. Yes. And you know what? Hope is actually a definable and measurable characteristic, both on an individual and a community level in terms of um, development. Like the number one factor for increasing community prosperity is that people in that community have a sense of hope, something that they're mm -hmm. hoping for. It's when people lose hope individually or as a group that you, you just can't thrive. So maybe astrology wow. helps give us hope. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Wow. Well, guess what? Web hmm. WebMD doesn't agree, but oh, no. WebMD is wrong. Okay, I read this. <laughs> You're gonna love this. This is called your WebMD horoscope. It says it's for birthdays January first through December thirty first. Okay. <laughs> Quote: Strengthen your relationships. Learn how to manage stress and stop wasting time reading horoscopes. <laughs> Uh, one of the hallmarks of mental and emotional maturity is being able to run your own life and make your own decisions. Uh, excuse me, whoever said that. I don't think you understand what astrology is because it's not telling you how to live your life or removing the ability to make decisions, but okay. I do think a lot of people, and I was one of them, but like a lot of people are, are, are conflating when the newspaper calls it a horoscope or like yes. a magazine does a horoscope yes. versus like what what our friend Tracy does in astrology. And so I because I, I don't just I've definitely seen some that are like, hey, if you were born in September, don't leave your house today. And I was like, well, I have to. That's, I need yeah, milk. It's like a it's like a fortune cookie kind of thing. Like that's insane. Yeah. And yeah, get out of here. You actually hit the nail on the head because that same article on WebMD mistakenly claims that astrology. Somebody made some quote about how like astrology just gives everybody the same result based on their birthday. And I was like. No, it doesn't. Like you get your own personal chart and you know where everybody's is unique. That's the whole point. And you mm -hmm. have to have someone help you interpret those results. You shouldn't just read whatever's in the newspaper. That's obviously dumb. Well, anyway, <laughs> one more, one more really fun article for you um, from Self Online. There's this awesome writer. Her name is Eliza Kelly. And the title of her article is, if you're asking if astrology is real, you're missing the point. And this is from oh, June nice. 2019. She says, if you want me to prove that astrology is real, well, I won't because I can't. And frankly, it doesn't matter. Skeptics are obsessed with disproving astrology. We know that people find value in introspective practices like this, even if it can be hard to measure exactly what that value is. When it comes to astrology, its true significance is embedded in what it symbolizes to each individual. individual. Mm -hmm. This part I thought was really interesting. She says, as humans, we tell stories to understand our realities. So she's basically saying that like using astrology almost the way you, we use myths, fairy tales, and folklore, it helps us create a shared language to explain the unexplainable. It helps us slightly shift our perspective so that we can identify patterns and habits and dynamics that are mm -hmm. otherwise difficult to see. So she says, for me, astrology offers the backbone of a narrative that I can tell myself. It's a way to guide myself and my clients. Um, she, this is, it's just rich. Everybody look up this article, Eliza Kelly, Kelly, A-L-I-Z-A, 
last name Kelly. She, I'm not, I won't read everything that I, that I copied, but, um, a couple little more tidbits. She says it enables us to find forgiveness for our frustrating attributes and difficult circumstances. It helps us Mm -hmm. be more kind, which fuels self-compassion and compassion for others. Um, it helps us feel an incredible interconnectivity to the planet, to the universe mm-hmm. and to the people around us. Um, I just, I think she nailed it basically. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I actually line and there's one more article I want to mention. Okay. Cause this is okay. a big topic. Okay. okay. There was also an article from Healthline that I thought very helpfully reminded folks. Astrology is not a replacement for therapy. So maybe no. maybe that's what the WebMD people got wrong. Nobody is claiming astrology is a replacement for other methods of also like developing coping mechanisms and getting support. Right. Um, right. But Healthline had this really interesting, they explained what spiritual bypassing is. Have you ever heard of that? Uh-uh. Okay. Spiritual bypassing is an unhealthy pattern of behavior that uses spiritual and ideas and spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep healing your psychological wounds. Wow. I'm going to say it again. Spiritual bypassing is an unhealthy pattern of behavior that uses spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep healing psychological wounds. So that's not true just for astrology. It's for any spiritual practice that you are using to deflect from actually addressing what may be going on in your own mental health. So basically this article was just like, just be careful that you're not using astrology as a way to bypass actually doing the work, understanding yourself, changing your behaviors, like making, um, making things right with the people around you, feeling your emotions. If you're using your horoscope to not have to feel what you're actually feeling, it's not a good, Mm. not a good plan. And they say that the the solution to spiritual bypassing is just introspection. So if you're listening to this now and you're worried that you're using something to, as a form of spiritual bypassing, the way you can overcome that is to just ask yourself some questions, uh, engage in some self-reflection, some introspection. Um, that article on Healthline actually offers like six questions you can ask yourself to make sure that your spiritual habits, in particular astrological habits, are healthy for you. And that's it, except, well, I want, I want to hear what you think. And then I have one little surprise, um, part of my hot top. I like it. And I, I want (laughs) to, you like it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm going to read the article to find out if I'm spiritually bypassing. I don't think I am. I also, my first reaction to that was self-flagellation. Like we see in all those, like, um, What's the what's that guy's name? Dan Brown's book. Oh. And it was like the monk that like beats himself. Yeah. That's not what it was. So I'm really glad you defined it. Oh, so you we could all know spiritual... that it wasn't just that. Gotcha. Yeah. When I say spiritual bypassing, I don't mean hitting yourself with ropes or like laying on a bed of needles yeah. or something. De- that's different. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that would be a way to completely ig- ignore and avoid what you've got going gotcha. on inside yeah. is to just like do like physical penance and not actually do any work on your emotional or spiritual side. And without getting too controversial, I think actually quite a few organized religions also really encourage spiritual bypassing rather than Mm. actually using introspection. It's like, you just say this prayer a thousand times and and forget about it. And we're like, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there are times when the concept of like, lay it at God's feet and let him take care of it could be a useful, like healthy um, coping mechanism, but there's a lot of times when that's that's probably spiritual bypassing. That's you just not wanting yeah. to have to face something uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna read that checklist. That's, okay. So that was my. I have it. And I know that was just the last thing you said. I know. So that was my. I have it printed so I can give it to you. Don't worry. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. I'm gonna share some audio with you because we actually have. Miss Tracy Rogers herself. (gasps) (laughs) And she's going to share a little audio, um, a sort of big picture overview of astrology for 2023, the year in advance from Tracy, the astrologer. Are you ready? Oh my God. I'm excited. Hi, Tracy. (laughs) Here we go. So for 
for your listeners, you know, I've been telling friends, family, clients that 2023 is a pretty fast and furious year. Um, there's a swell of energy that begins as early as January, as early as I'm recording this message. Um, and it's a swell of energy that's just going to increase and then intensify and then amplify as we move into the spring and summer season. There's a prolonged holding pattern we'll enter into, close of August, shifting into September. So life will kind of feel rather suspenseful as we're all waiting on edge for something to shift and give in our lives. Um, and then shortly after, the universe will be like, just kidding, and life will start lifing again <laughs> in the last quarter of the year. Um, so there's a fiery energy afoot, and it's an energy that can be really supportive when it comes to achieving New Year resolutions. Um, and really, this feels like a quickening. You know, over the past few years since the pandemic of 2020, the universe has been sending us very loud messages as they relate to, you know, the affairs of our lives, the affairs of the world we live in. And 2023 is this year where, where you know, now we're being called to act. Now is the time to, for lack of a better phrase, shit or get off the pot and begin putting in practice and motion into action, into coordinated effort, um, what we have gained and learned in the way of knowledge and insights and revelations over the past few years. So this is a, a highly fiery action-oriented year, um, jam-packed with a lot of cosmic energy forces above that could really further us along our own uh, personal journeys and our journeys as a collective. Um, and so I don't know about anyone listening, but personally, this Leo is here for all of it. <laughs> yeah. So that's the overview from Tracy. Um, anyone listening who's like into astrology, I hope that's interesting and useful to you. Or if you're just like astro curious and our little discussion about how <laughs> astrology can be useful even to, to us skeptics, um, maybe listen to that again and see what comes up for you. I, I love, I love it. I love, and I, I like too, the fact that it's not like nobody heard her say, don't go out of the house on <laughs> yeah. Tuesday. And of course that was but, her like overarching summary. That's not personalized to anyone who's listening. Each person is going to have a different experience. That's just like the overarching theme this year. That's, and I guess that's what's so fascinating is if we, if we will uh, uh, suspend our skepticism and assume this is true, that the planets have pulls on us and it's like uniquely based on where in the world we were born mm -hmm. and what the stars were doing at the time of our birth and just like how they continue to pull on wherever we are in the earth throughout the year. It's interesting because then that means thematically, like everyone is experiencing these same mm -hmm. big shifts. It will just hit different areas or aspects of our life. Mm -hmm. So hearing like there's going to be this big building, it's really exciting to just think that everybody in our family and communities is building on something. Mm -hmm. They're building some kind of a mystery and we get to learn and see what that is. And then we're all going to chill Come August, September, which is perfect timing for all of you all to turn your attentions to me and Rachel and celebrate our yeah. birthdays. <laughs> and then then back to your regularly yeah. scheduled programming. Well, we're all and, – and like <laughs> that there are periods where we're all going to chill whether we like it or not. So those pauses, it's like mm -hmm. I like that um, the astrology helps me keep in mind that I'm not in control of literally everything and that there will be times that mm -hmm. I'm going to be beating my head against the wall, if banging my head against the wall if I'm trying trying to force something and it's just not coming together. Yeah. And I liked uh, that was, there was like a period last year where it just felt really nice to give myself permission to just rest, mm. to be like, no, I'm just not going to yeah, do it. Yeah. It's just not going to put that for off a for a couple while. months. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, that was awesome. Yay. Thanks Tracy. Well, that's it for hot tops. And our, our little outro is just to think about birthdays again, because we're about to go into Ebeth's big, b-day trip to to visit us yay so um rebecca and i our birthdays are one day apart from each other and we often celebrate them together we call them rebetchel b-day extravaganza um going mm -hmm. all the way back to undergrad when we would do this birthday celebration together <laughs> so rebecca what is one of your favorite birthday memories 
I think it might actually be the first <gasps> time that we ever coined the term of the Rebecca birthday extravaganza, uh-huh. and we made we made little flyers because oh, yeah. this was the early two thousands, oh, yeah. and we handed them out to our friends. Yep. And uh, yeah, it was it was just it was really fun because we were nearing the end of college, uh-huh. so we had. A lot of good friends that we'd known for many years, and it felt really nice to have because I had never made a big deal of my birthday up until that point either. So that felt really cool to have so many people come celebrate us, and we got some really good dance moves oh, in, yeah. and a little bit <laughs> we too had sparkly much alcohol, shoes on. probably. Yeah, I'm not. That's not what made that okay, memory great good. for me. I just, I mostly meant that I like to. That at the time, I don't think I knew we were going to be celebrate, like starting a tradition. Yeah, that's true. And I'm really glad that ended up being true. But it was a really, it was, it was really, really fun. fun. And I think it was, it just also marked. I think the 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 first moments of like you and me having a significant friendship, not just yeah. like we have a class together or we see each other in the halls. I think the other thing yeah. I like about the Rebecca B-Day extravaganzas is that. It can be sort of self-conscious or feel like really self-aggrandizing to have a big birthday celebration for yourself after the age of like 11 or 16. (laughs) And the fact that ours are back to back kind of it like gives me permission to make a big deal about my birthday because I'm going to make a big deal about your birthday the following day. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And it's just an excuse for us to go do something really yeah. fun every year. Plus, they're separate months, so we still get our own birthday months. Yeah, it's really perfect. It's really perfect. Because you know why? Right. We have rich lives. Oh my gosh, so rich. <laughs> I think one of my favorite birthdays, one of my favorite Rebechel B-Day extravaganza memories was the year my sister Anna did us a Disney princess theme <gasps> birthdays. Oh. Um, that was so and good. One, so like there were like four different dinners, each with a different Disney princess theme. And she had all these like, it was four different nights with four different dinners. One of them was like, um, Aladdin. So she converted our whole living area into like a Middle Eastern, um, like sit on the floor dinner. And she had put like, glow in the dark stars on the ceiling so we'd feel like we were outside each cake each cake also had like a barbie doll head coming out of it that she decorated as if it was or not a head it was like waist up barbie doll cake topper yeah and the dress the dress part the skirt was the the cake cake. exactly so you can picture she's a princess uh yeah i remember the little mermaid one she got like a blue sequins um like What's it called? Table skirt yeah, thing. What do you um, call like those? A, ta- a tablecloth. Yeah, tablecloth. That's the word. Uh-huh. Why did I forget it? Anyway, sparkly blue. And we made sushi yes. that She like, taught us how to make sushi and that she, night. To that distract so us. She always had an activity to keep us out of her hair while she like set everything up and, and made the food. And for Little Mermaid one, she had us go up to my room and she had gotten us actual oysters <gasps> yeah. with pearls inside that we could shuck and find the pearls. And then put them in a necklace which guess what i still have mine it was so cool oh there were many good memories from that particular b-day extravaganza it's very extravagant that's such a good one i'm glad you reminded me of that one it just came to me i was gonna say maui and then like we've just had so many good birthdays but that was a really good one yeah, and that's why our favorite uncles don't judge us when we our say we forget some of the rich. amazing things. Our <laughs> lives are too rich. And I cannot think of a better note to end on except to say, share your rich lives with us, y'all. Let us know if you have hot yes. top suggestions. Respond to things. Call or text if you know us. Email schmodcastthepodcast at gmail or find us on Instagram. Our lives are rich. Rich. <laughs> Beep pop boop pop pop. Beep boop boop. boop.